Hey, Tommy. What's up? Hey, my man. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. How was your guys' trip? It was good. Um, Kenya was amazing. Uh, Phoebe and I was able to work in the hospital there for a solid month and get a lot of uh, great experience and help the people there and talk about Jesus. So that was pretty great. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys were like doing awesome stuff there, huh? Yeah, it was it was a good experience, but I honestly think that even what we were able to give back there, um, they give us back so much in return that we could never, um, ever do enough to thank them for um, just the experience they showed us. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so we're going to get right into this thing. So those of you that don't know me, I'm Seth Myers. Um, I'm a, a sports chiropractor, and Tommy Martin here, uh, medical doctor just graduated right yeah that's correct uh, i just got my diploma in the mail last week awesome um so me and him have been buddies for uh quite a while what is this 2018 so it's been six years or so yeah probably so yeah so we played football together a while ago and and uh tommy honestly is one of the uh, nicest guys i know uh, and if you don't know him, you know, you might think that I'm just saying that, but if you know the guy, you, you really know that that's the truth. Um, anyway, uh, you know, Tommy's been a pretty big advocate for health and wellness and fitness pretty much all his life. Uh, he's been really instrumental in trying to get, I know you've done like really awesome work with your family recently, like your mom and your sister have been doing like really cool stuff and losing weight. Um, but, uh, he's been doing some really cool stuff for training uh, that's kind of been hybrid style where he's been doing more bodybuilding stuff, hypertrophy work, comp- like with marathon, like crazy, not just marathon, but crazy marathon <laughs> stuff. And uh, me myself, I'm pretty interested in just all things health and, and, and fitness uh, related as well. So I just wanted to dive into to get to know the guy and get to know some of his training and, uh, and just let him kind of explain, you know, why he does it and uh, where he gets that drive and uh, some of the, uh, 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 the the uh, philosophy behind it. So whenever you're ready, Tommy, go ahead and let us know who you are and, and what you've been doing recently. Yeah, for sure. Well, so as Seth told you guys, I just graduated from medical school. I went to St. George's University and I just recently matched at the University of Arkansas into a med-peds program. So that's combined internal medicine and pediatrics. And so as Seth was saying, we met at undergraduate at Kansas Wesleyan where we played football together. And that's probably where my passion of fitness and wellness kind of developed. Uh, We had a great group of guys. We have a you know, great, some great friends there where we all just fell in love with working out and lifting weights. And, you know, in football, it was just about being as big and strong as possible, pretty much. And so I would eat everything in sight and try to lift as much <laughs> as possible. <possibly. laughs> the, the cafeteria pizza. That's all I had. <laughs> yeah, the pizza and burgers. Late, late night pizza. <laughs> Yeah. And so um, after football there, I really, you know, I wanted to be more into just like overall fitness, not just shoving burgers down my face and trying to lift heavy weight. I wanted to be overall encompassed in fitness in general. And that goes from, you know, eating, you know, a good balanced diet and my training philosophies and things like that. And I just got very passionate about fitness and started reading a lot about it and changed my training up a lot. So after football, I would say that I started eating in a way that would help me to lose some body fat and be a more of like a manageable lifestyle in terms of my weight and my physique and things like that. So I'd eat just below maintenance. In terms of my training, 
um, I really didn't go more towards the power um, route as Seth kind of told you guys. I was more about more into the bodybuilding slash hypertrophy training along with getting into marathon training. And so this marathon training that Seth was talking about started about a year ago after my wife and I had to get married. Her father, he's done, I think, eight Ironman, even the one in Kona. He's done, he's ran over 50 marathons and his uh, wife, uh, my mother-in-law, she's also ran a lot of marathons. So they kind of got me into it. And then some huge, huge inspirations that I have are Chris Getton and then also Ross Edgley. And so these two guys are really like a hybrid of kind of like bodybuilding, endurance sports, just trying to make fitness an overall um, goal of life, not necessarily just a certain avenue being the only avenue that you can kind of encompass it all. And that goes completely against everything that's been said. You know, all bodybuilders would make fun of runners. Yeah. And runners would make fun of bodybuilders. And, you know, endurance <laughs> athletes would be like, oh, look at those meatheads, you know, like yeah. they can even, you know, raise their arms above their head. And, uh, bodybuilders would make fun of the endurance athletes calling them sticks and things like that and then you know these two guys they just kind of said you know like that's not right you know like so, yeah so hold up uh just in case the people who don't know who these guys are um for sure well, yeah so ross especially ross edgley um so tell him a few things because you just read his book and i've listened right. to a, a podcast and, and uh, a few things about him go ahead and explain some of the things that he's done that's just been kind of out of this world for sure. So he is absolutely insane. So some of the craziest things he's done is he he did an Olympic triathlon uh, carrying a 100-pound log. He uh, pulled a car the distance of a marathon. Yeah, so, so he says car. That was a – I think I remember it was like 1.4 tons. <laughs> yeah, 26 miles. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, so he did that. He also has the world's longest rope climb where he scaled a 20-foot rope um, just over and over again to climb the distance of Mount Everest. And so he did that, um, I think, in a, he had to do it within 24 hours. And then another crazy thing he's done is he swam 100 kilometers, pulling a 100-pound log. So he's done all of these endurance sports, but he did all of this while um, maintaining his physique maintaining his muscle mass and maintaining his strengths in the big three lifts, bench squat and deadlift. And so he kind of developed this philosophy starting back in 2008. In 2008, he decided he's going to travel the world and see how all these people maintain different levels of fitness and learn from the experts of all these different sports, whether it be endurance, strength, um, hypertrophy training, you know, like Dorian Yates, he even learned from him, you know, like one of the best bodybuilders. Oh, yeah. Learned all of these things from these people, and he's just trying to make it say, like, you know, like whatever you're passionate about and whatever goals you are, like, redefine fitness and create it to be whatever you want. Like, learn how to develop speed, learn how to develop strength, learn how to develop all these things, and incorporate it into your workouts to what suits your goals. There's no like one size fits all, it's whatever you're passionate about and whatever you want to construct to make your regimen into your goals. Okay, awesome. So um, you mentioned something real, you know, real briefly there. You said he maintained his strength and maintained his physique. Uh, I just want to, you know, we're going to move on to the next subject subject here. But I just want you to briefly mention some of those numbers. So like, what was his body size and composition like when he did those things? And like, what were some of his lift numbers? 
so people right. can have like a reference because like you know pulling or doing a marathon you like you already mentioned like most of those guys might be you know thinner um not like a giant physique but this guy is like not that so go ahead and tell us some of the numbers yeah, so he's pretty impressive. I'd say he stands at about 5'10", 5'11". And based off his book, his numbers, um, he was deadlifting, I believe it was right around 600 pounds. His squat was right around the 500-pound mark. And his bench, I think, got right above 400. And so, and he's 5'10", 195. Yeah, so very respectable numbers for the size. Yeah, and – on top of that, running marathons with a car. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, we, I mean, just what you talked about here, that's kind of like people have to keep in mind, like that is the far spectrum of like fitness, right? Yeah. Um, but some of the things that I really love doing, and I do this in the clinic every day, is like trying to encourage people to just kind of take that first step or do the small things that add up. So, and I know you've done this with some of the people. So like, let's take a step back and let's look like talk to maybe some of the beginners, you know, what would be, let's say three pieces of advice that you would give somebody who's maybe either on the fence about kind of like going through a health and wellness journey um, or, you know, wanting to get started, but they don't know where to start. So three pieces of advice you'd maybe give to them that would be like, you know, paramount. Yeah, so I'd say the very first one deals with mindset. And why is because your mindset about um, this process is going to control everything else. And so try to never focus on the immediate, um, your immediate pleasure, your immediate satisfaction, and always have your eyes like on your long term goals. Because like in the moment, like deciding to eat, you know, like maybe you know, a healthier meal versus the chocolate cake, that's going to suck. But if you think about achieving your goals of a 20 pound weight loss, instead of thinking about that chocolate cake, like your mind is always going to be fixed on the long-term goals. And one of my favorite Bible verses says that your current sufferings will never be compared with the glory revealed within. So like all of your struggles that you're going through right now, like the run that sucked or the skipping, you know, the dessert that you really want, or that second dessert that you want because of your long-term goals, like in the moment that sucks. But when you reach your 20 pound weight loss or your 40 pound weight loss it's not even going to compare with missing out on that chocolate cake when you reach it and so the first thing we just like always have a um a future oriented mindset and thinking about your long-term success instead of your immediate satisfaction because your immediate satisfaction will never trump your long-term goals um it'll just leave sure. you disappointed yeah. so that'd be my number one tip. so let, hold on uh, let's expand on that just a second so yeah. Um, you know, obviously that's great to keep in mind, but how can we make that practical? So, um, just kind of a, a, uh, uh, comparison there is I've got a buddy, uh, his name is David Reef. You met him. Um, he's got, uh, basically affirmations all around his house. So basically little three by five index cards, you know, and it's got, you know, like I said, affirmations. So it might say something like, you know, you are capable of X, Y, and Z, or, you know, you are uh, an Olympic level athlete, so on and so forth. So, you know, a mindset might be something that like is easy to lose, especially in the beginning phases of this, if you don't have constant reminder of it. So are there any things like tips and tricks that you give to people, maybe physical, like writing it down and having it stuck on your refrigerator, like in terms of trying to keep that mindset uh, present or what yeah. would you say to that? that? 
honestly, that's one of the best tips I could give people is like always um, having those little reminders. One is to write on your mirror. So like everyone, you know, first thing in the morning, you go brush your teeth and you look in the mirror. So if you have like your goals set out written on your mirror or your, it doesn't have to be, excuse me, it could be on a sheet of paper that's taped to your mirror or whatever. If you have your goals written out there and then also um, just like an encouraging word, like, um, you know, like I always tell people in every one of my YouTube videos, I say, um, I just want you to know that you are greatly, greatly loved and that you wonderfully and beautifully created and that you are capable of far more than you could ever imagine. Because as soon as you wake up, all these doubts, all these insecurities, all these weaknesses are going to flood your mind. And like, if you don't constantly reassure yourself, like, no, like you were designed and you were destined to be great. And like, if you don't have that reminder, it's very easy to let the world's lies, you know, push you back. And so I'd say having those written in different places is a huge help. And then honestly, filling other people up with these encouraging words, because as you speak life into other people, you're going to be hearing that as well and fill yourself up with those encouraging words. So I'd say like definitely writing it all over, but then also just feeding it to other people as well, because that's going to ignite your fire. That's really awesome. Um, Cause that's something that like, uh, I think when somebody like fully commits to it and they start telling it, cause the thing is, I think it's hard to put yourself to the same standards as you might hold someone else, right? It's easy to point the finger or it's easy to give someone else advice for things you slip up on. So when you start telling someone else all these things and you hear it out loud, like verbally, um, then it's hard to ignore it, right? So if you say these things to other people and you've got them written down, it's hard to ignore it. So that's number one is long-term goals in mind maybe physically written down in, on your mirror and actually, you know, verbally, you know, just telling people daily, like, Hey, you know, you are, you know, worthy or you are like an awesome person. Um, right. that's number one, number two, what would you say? Uh, I would say like truly believe in and take a hold of the concept of progressive overload. Okay. And why I say that, and I want to start from the very basis of this. Yeah, is- so define that for us. Yeah. So progressive overload would be, um, gradually applying a load that was more than your previous load to help you to adapt to that load. So for instance, if you are able to bench press, say 135 for five times and with good form and everything, then the following week, you should probably move up by 5% or maybe even just five pounds and try to bench press 140 pounds for five times. So you're gradually increasing your load in which is going to make your body to adapt and to grow um, to continue to progress. And the exact same can be used in literally every aspect of your life. So for me, um, something I use that with was studying. So in medical school, it is extremely hard to study the hours that you need to study. There was days where I would need to study between 12 and 16 hours a day. And if I would have done that without trying to provide progressive overload and getting up to 14 hours a day and um, just went straight at it without providing you know the um, endurance or providing the hours beforehand if I just try to study 16 hours a day there's no way I would have made it so I had to start off with one one hour a day the next week you know move up to two hours a day and gradually get to where you need to be and you could use that in all areas of fitness all areas of your life make sure to provide progressive overload and allow your body to adapt to that um, 
small increment of stress to allow your body to adapt and grow to that. And if you do not do that, that's where you can get burnt out. That's where injury could occur. That's where, you know, like all these other things that will inhibit you from reaching your goals. And so why I want to touch on this is because there, I, I train so many people that they want to run a marathon um, before they can run a 5k, yeah. you know, and that just doesn't, <clears throat> Sense, you know, or I yeah. have people that want to bench 315 in four weeks and they're barely benching 225 right now, you know, and so like you really have to get this concept and try to think of taking baby steps and increasing your baby steps every day. And after a year, those baby steps will now have become miles. Yeah. You know? So really like don't try to go for the award winning, um, goal that you have immediately provide progressive overload and when you look back on what you've accomplished you'll be amazed at how much you can progress yeah. and i just want to make this clear so like we talk about load and one of the first examples you gave is basically is bench pressing which is you know physical like exertion but this could be the same principle could be applied to running cycling um things of that nature so it doesn't have to be you know like physical load in the sense of like lifting a barbell it could be um and this is why a lot of people have heard of like a couch to 5k program those are super popular and that's basically the same principle that it works on so you start with very basic low level degree of effort and then progressively you'll start to add more and more and more distance and then the classic example for running especially when you're talking marathons or half marathons is like a 10 percent increase each week am i right yeah as long as you don't go over 20 percent um you should be able to prevent injury exactly exactly and so um but anyway i just want to make that clear so when he says load and the first example he gave was bench pressing don't confuse you know that verbiage of progressive overload with just meaning lifting weights right so it can be anything and i think that also in the example you gave also about like studying and stuff like that that's a great uh, caveat to like that can also be said for like dieting right so like when you so progressive overload basically means just taking smaller steps to get better and better at that thing right is kind of what right. i take away from it so when you're talking about dieting and this might you know kind of eat into your you know number three point i'm not sure but um a lot of people try and go from zero to a hundred you know in a week or a couple of days and then they burn out so they'll go from not dying at all dieting at all to i'm going to count every single macro um, I'm going to limit all my sugars to X, Y, and Z. Right, cut all desserts. Yeah. yeah and, yeah. and the thing is, like, you know, if you just start with a couple of simple principles, and then once you've nailed those principles, now you take one more step to take away a certain food group. Or maybe now you start counting your macros after you've, you know, followed a, a set number of guidelines. And I've actually like kind of written down some of the things that, and I can talk about this later, but it's, it's the same idea. So we're taking a stepwise, uh, you know, kind of function into uh, certain things we want to make changes. So um, I don't want to talk too much further until we get into point number three. So like we talked about mindset, long-term goal, two, progressive overload. And number three, third piece of advice, what would you give to somebody who wants to start their, their fitness journey, health and wellness journey? What would you say? know that you're human and know that you will fail and do not be afraid of failure. Failure is something that we should not be afraid of, but we should literally chase failure 
in every aspect of our life. Because if we're not chasing failure and if we're not achieving failure, then we will never reach our potential. Like failure should, yes, it should make us mad and it should, you know, piss us off and make us more eager to strive to the next level. But we should also find joy in failure because that's when we're truly, you know, we know we're giving it everything we have. We know we're pushing ourselves to a thousand percent. But the key to that is not being so hard on yourself where failure makes you digress and go backwards away from your goals. Instead, it should be a point of you know, confidence saying, yes, I'm giving it 110%, and yes, I did fail. But when I recover from this failure, I'm going to be uh, made stronger, and it's going to help catapult me towards my goals. So I would say do not fear failure, but chase failure. Yeah. And then that just, as soon as you said that, that reminded me of a kind of another uh, nutrition or diet thing. So I've looked at a lot of different diets, um, done some of them for a little bit of time just to kind of get some experience. Um, one of them that kind of fits right into that is Tim Ferriss's book, the four hour body. Um, so he's got, I don't remember the exact rules right now, but there's like five rules of the diet. Um, but anyway, one of the last rules is take one cheat day per week. So, and that's exactly, it kind of plays right into that. So, you know, when someone says the word diet, they think, you know, very strict, again, counting macros or counting your calories, they think like only certain food groups, but then he comes here and he says, you know, if you do X, Y, and Z, oh, and then by the way, if one time a week, you just say, screw it, I'm going to eat what I want and not, you know, total gluttony, but just like, oh, I feel like, you know, maybe having this today. And so you have it. Um, that way you can kind of like, you know, go past that tipping point and then know what it feels like and then be able to come back from it. And so that kind of plays right into that is like, you know, just, um, just because your template is X and you go, you know, just a little bit outside of that doesn't mean you're done. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. You got to keep it into perspective. So those are all really, really awesome points. Yeah, and since we touched on it, I just want to give um, the listeners like a little bit of advice to what I do when I'm training people. And Seth brought up my sister um, and my mom. So I've been training them, and my sister recently, I think she's up to 67 pounds of weight loss, and she's currently training for a half marathon. I'm super proud of her. And I'm bringing her up because I want to kind of give you guys the initial steps into approaching your weight loss. Like Seth said, you know, like you cannot just jump into it and say, I'm going to count every calorie. I'm going to count every macro and I'm going to count out all my favorite foods and you know, all that you can't do that because it's just going to lead to failure very, very quickly. And so what I did with my sister is I give her a set calorie amount that she could eat. And that was based off her basal metabolic rate and then based off of her total daily energy expenditure. So hold on, hold on. Let's, let's define those real quick. Just, just in here. I'm going to make it uh, very simple. Um, so your basal metabolic rate would be what your body burns at rest and so, or what your body needs to survive at rest. So it's how many calories your body, not doing any function throughout Just the day. Sitting on the couch all day long, how many calories your body burns? Killing. Yep, that's it. And then so your TDEE, your total daily energy expenditure, would be your BMR with the addition of your activity level. Okay. And so this activity level could be based off your exercise, but also just your like little nuances. Like I'm a very fidgety person. And so that increases my TDEE a little bit, but pretty much you could just base it off of your activity level. And so you could use, um, there's a lot of different formulas you can get to get your BMR. Honestly, the easiest way for you, instead of me giving you this long formula, would just uh, type into Google BMR calculator. 
you type in your numbers, it's going to give you your a rough estimate of your BMR. And then from there, you want to add your activity level to that. Um, and so there's also calculators you could use to do that. But pretty much the way I do it, I make it very simple for most of my clients, is if you're lightly active, you work out three times a week, then you want to multiply your BMR by 1.3. If you're moderately active where you're working out five times a week, you want to multiply your BMR by about 1.5. And then if you're pretty active working out six to seven times a week, you want to multiply your BMR by 1.75. And if you're working out twice a day, you want to multiply your BMR by 1.9. Again, these are rough numbers. And so what I would suggest is you pick this, start, kind of set yours up, and then gauge yourself over a span of four weeks and see if based off these numbers how you're weight is changing yeah now, <clears throat> um yeah go ahead so i just want to uh, add to that so you said a bunch of numbers i'm going to try and get those from you and, and put them somewhere where people can grab them um yeah. but something i want to make clear <clears throat> is even when you go online and try and grab your specific calories that you might need per day it might not be 100% accurate right because it won't be, one, yeah yeah one when you put in info it's going to ask for your height weight uh, fat percentage potentially, uh, how uh, active you are, your age. So if you're not 100% honest in those things, then that calorie output is not going to be 100% accurate. Right. So with that being said, um, another diet that I've done and I really like is uh, Renaissance Periodization. And, and, and they have templates. And so with their templates, um, what they tell you is, here's your diet for the week. I don't care what anybody else says. This is your diet for the week. You're going to weigh yourself at the beginning of the week and weigh yourself at the end of the week. If you've gained weight, you can add calories here, here, and here. And it tells you, right? You can add some fats here or whatever. If you lose weight, or I'm sorry, if you've gained weight, you're going to take calories away. If you've right. lost weight, you're going to add calories here, here, and here. If you've maintained your weight, that's perfect because then our next step is this. So right. I think a lot of people might start t doing a diet for a day or two and then they, they are waiting for the results. Right. And, and especially if you do what Tommy has just said, and you're trying to take it upon yourself to count these calories, you've got to play it out a little while to see if that actually matches what you are really doing. Mm -hmm. Because everything Tommy just mentioned is essentially a, a projection like theoretical yeah. <laughs> yeah so to get the actual numbers you just kind of have to wait it out a bit go for a week go for a couple of weeks eating uh not necessarily the same thing but if you can eat relatively the same calories that'll really tell you if that calorie supports exactly what you're doing or if you need to eat more or less and then once you've got that figured out then you know if you want to gain weight you want to eat a little bit more than what you're eating if you're uh, maintaining weight and you want to lose weight, then you know you need to take some calories away. And so that's what I just want to make kind of clear is like, just because these numbers are there doesn't always mean that they're a hundred percent accurate and that those numbers might make you start losing weight, you know, overnight. Right. And it, honestly, it's probably even better to say that those numbers are not accurate because everybody's body is different, you know? And so like Seth said, try to take a span of about four. I always tell my clients four weeks. I want you to take four weeks off this theoretical numbers that we figured up using this formula that's been created. And we're going to adjust your calories and 
try to find what your baseline is because like we said everybody's body is different we have to find out what works best for you and then adjust accordingly yeah perfect um <clears throat> since we're in this diet and i just mentioned that i kind of i wrote up uh a handful of very simple guidelines so i since we're talking about nutrition and diet i just wanted to mention these real quick if you don't mind let's do it so <clears throat> these are like bare bones without even getting into the whole calorie counting thing if you did these things, I would bet your nutrition or your diet would kind of clean up very quickly. So number one, I tell people try and shop around the edges of the store more frequently. Generally speaking, the edges of the store is where they have the refrigerators. So that food um, is going to spoil a little bit sooner. So it's a little bit more fresh. Whereas the aisles tend to have more stuff that's like processed or in boxes. And I'm not even going to go into the debate of like processed foods because I don't think it really matters too much. But I think if you're eating, you know, uh, foods that spoil sooner, you're probably a little bit healthier. Uh, number two, I just tell people like try and have a portion of protein that would be about the size of your palm with each meal. That's it. So if you look down at your palm, so take away your hand, your fingers, that's about the size of a portion of protein, whether it's eggs, meat, whatever or tofu if you, if you want. Okay. Number three. So that's two. Number three is a small handful of greens with each meal. So very simple, right? So we're talking broccoli, maybe spinach, maybe asparagus, just a small handful. Number four, if you're going shopping and you're going inside the aisles to buy stuff, which I do all the time, try and read the labels of the food you're buying. If you're at a bigger store, Odds are there's multiple brands of that specific food. And if you literally just turn the thing around and look at the numbers, if you find something that's very similar product, but has a few more, or I'm sorry, a few less carbs here or a few less calories overall, I mean, there you go. You're already saving yourself carbs or yeah. calories, whatever it may be. Okay. And just by doing that, just by literally reading the label, you're probably going to start becoming a little bit more nutrition um, oriented when buying your food as a whole and then number five this is a big one is I try and get people to avoid drinking their calories so without even going into a huge debate and I couldn't even go into this debate because I don't know the specifics about like diet drinks or whatever if you just look at the caloric intake that you get from let's say a, a single can of coke versus diet coke there's no calories in Diet Coke. Um, so I would venture to guess that if you changed out your regular Coke for Diet Coke, you might see uh, a little bit of weight loss if that's the only thing you changed, if everything was the exact same. Um, so, so keep that in mind. So if you're drinking whatever type of drink, whether it's a fruit drink, whether it's soda, you name it, if you see that it's got relatively high sugars or carbs in it, um, see if you can change that out for something that's got a little bit lighter. And that goes kind of back into point number four. You know, uh, if you're reading the label and you can kind of compare side to side the things, um, then you can very easily make a, you know, rational decision that one might be slightly better, better than the other. So without even getting into really anything really scientific, if you just did those five things that are very simple, I think you'll start eating a little bit what I would consider healthier. And maybe more, um, I guess, all around 
uh, better for you. So anyway, those are the kind of the five things that I mentioned. So yeah, I'm going to touch on a couple more. Um, oh, sure. Go ahead. We could add like six and seven. And these are because like my appetite is insane. Like no matter what, I could eat a ton of food. And so some things are I you do. You like I'm- running marathons and lifting weights. <laughs> so Yeah. Um, but some things that I try to do when I am trying to diet down is before every meal, drink two glasses of water. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So that's I actually have that in my list, but it's for the, that's for like dieting. Yeah. So if you're dieting, I tell people to like literally chug water. So actually, I've got a list of dieting tips if you want to go over that. Yeah, let's hear them. Okay, so these are really good. I I think. <laughs> so anyway, um, number one. Uh, or not number one, but so I say chewing gum is really beneficial. And I know Tommy would probably agree cause he loves <laughs> chewing gum. But so like, uh, generally speaking, like one people get bored hungry. And so if they just start chewing on something, I think that kind of helps, uh, settle that a little bit. And then also if you get kind of a clean freshness feel in your mouth, you generally don't want to eat something else that might make your mouth feel like less clean. Right. So just doing that, I think helps. Number two is drinking tons of water. Um, And so just kind of like what Tommy said, like before a meal, if you literally just chug a bunch of water. So I've got like a bottle here. If I were to chug a full thing of this before I ate food, odds are I'm going to just physically feel full. Cool. Right. And then I won't be able to eat much more. So again, if you're dieting, obviously water doesn't have very many calories. I want to eat till I'm full, but my meal is small. Chug that. You're good to go. Number four kind of plays on the same thing as uh, before, but brushing your teeth. So if you're in the scenario where like you're at home or something, you can brush your teeth. Usually people don't want to eat a whole lot of food right after they brush their teeth. Their teeth feel good. Their mouth is clean. Like a great example is like orange juice. As soon as you brush your teeth, it just tastes terrible. Right. So same thing with other foods. Um, and then a few other things I'm going to mention real quick, and then we'll kind of move on from this because we're kind of um, – dragging this out but uh pickles can be huge so pickles are other vegetables i guess so uh pickles have zero calories and so if you are somebody who likes pickles you can go to walmart and get like a giant thing of pickles for like five bucks and so if you start getting hungry have like two or three pickles and you're good to go and do all those other things okay <clears throat> eating slow if you slow down your dinner odds are you're going to start to feel a little bit fuller after you've eaten all the food. If you eat very quickly, kind of shove it all in. If you think of the, uh, the, the uh, Coney Island hot dog eating challenge, that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to shove as much food as they can in their mouth. So essentially some people do that. They just eat very fast. And when you eat really fast, you tend to not get that full sensation until after you've eaten more than you should have. Okay. And then the last two go kind of hand in hand. So some sort of stimulant slash intermittent fasting. So coffee or tea first thing in the morning, it's been shown time and time again in research that a stimulant such as caffeine and coffee can help suppress appetite. And then if you pat that on top of intermittent fasting, so we could do a whole podcast on this or we'll talk about this. Intermittent fasting, all it is is you don't eat for a long period of time and then you eat for a small window of time. So like for me currently, I'll have coffee in the morning and then I usually won't eat my first thing until about like 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. 
So um, just shrinking that window of the time that you eat calories can help make sure you don't overeat throughout the entire day. Right. Anyway, that's what, those are my dieting like tips. Like if you wanted to try and hack your diet, I suppose, there's a few <laughs> things I have. Did you yeah, have anything else great. to add, Tommy? No, the only other thing, and you mentioned it with pickles, is green vegetables. Like you could eat a whole head of lettuce for 30 calories. Mm -hmm. you know, so like if you are someone like me that my appetite, like I said, is insane. Um, usually when I'm dieting down, before I eat my meal, I'll eat like a whole head of lettuce, two cucumbers, three bell peppers, um, something like that before I even eat my actual meal, just so that I'm uh, satiated after I eat my main yeah. course. <clears throat> yeah. So, and that's a perfect example. But um, I mean, maybe the flip side of that. So if you're going to have a giant salad right before your meal, as a great example, uh, maybe let's hold off on, I know you're a big fan of ranch back in the day. <laughs> so making sure we're conscious about that, right? Right. I don't eat any dressings. I eat it all completely plain lettuce with nothing on it. Or if I do, I'll get some like super low calorie dressings or even mustard. And people think that's yeah, crazy. Oh yeah, mustard, zero calories, guys. Yeah, Mustard and hot sauce, zero calories. So a lot of times I'll make um, like a mustard hot sauce dressing for my salads. Awesome. So we kind of dove into that maybe a little bit deeper than we both maybe anticipated, but that's all right. Let's take a step back and talk about training for a bit okay <clears throat> so I, w I just want to hear maybe what you've been doing for training recently in terms of like you're running but also you're lifting so l let's hear it yes so as i was talking about earlier i got into marathon training from my uh in-laws and so with that i absolutely refused to lose muscle mass while I was going to be running 70 plus miles a week. And so the way I set this up is I knew that running was going to take up a lot of time. And so my typical training before that, I would spend about two hours a day lifting weights, which is a pretty long time to be lifting weights, honestly. And I would do kind of like the standard bodybuilding type. Bro splits or what? What? Bro splits or what? Like upper <laughs> lower splits. So before my marathon training, I would do one body part a day, uh, pretty much like the majority of bodybuilders um, that, you know, they'll do chest one day, back one day, leg one day, arms one day. So I just was doing one body part a day. Your bro splits. Yeah, bro splits for the majority of my training. Um, but then when I got into <laughs> marathon training, I didn't have that type of luxury to ha spend that much time on one body part. And recent studies, or actually majority of studies, I'd say probably that's not as beneficial as what most would think. But we don't yeah, have to we can dive into that later, but yeah, that could be a different podcast. I'll as talk well. about that. But so when I started my marathon training, my splits completely changed and I was doing an upper body power day, um, followed by a lower body power day. And then I would usually have a day off and I would have an upper body hypertrophy day and a lower body hypertrophy day. And so that was my four days, no matter what, come hell or high water, I was hitting those four days. Now that does leave three open days of working out if I wanted to. And so what I would normally do on those three days would be accessory things to body parts that I felt are lacking. So for myself, that'd be calves, 
shoulders. Um, <laughs> Everybody can say calves, right? Right. Yeah. So I would usually on two of those three days, I'd make sure to always take one day off. But on those days, I'd usually hit shoulders, calves, and abs, and usually back just because I love back. Um, so I'd throw in um, some extra back exercises. And that was how my lifting aspect of my regimen was set up. Now, in terms of my running, I ran six days a week. And out of those six days a week, I follow, I follow this rule super hard is that 80% of my running is easy. And then 20% of my running is very hard. Okay. And so what that means is that I would have two days a week where one day would be speed training, where I would do say, oh, I don't know, 12, 400 yard sprints. Um, and then another example would be say, um, three two mile repeats. So that would be one day, my speed day. And then another day I would have a tempo day and a tempo day would be where I would race. I would do about say starting at five miles, but working 10 mi up to 10 miles at the end of my training, but 10 miles at a very fast pace. That was about 10 seconds faster than my marathon pace. Okay, so <clears throat> then all the other days would be very very slow and why it was just because of recovery and to make sure that my body was ready to hit it hard on those other hard running days. So, and then so when, um, how long were you able to do that for? So I started this type of training in May of 2017. So a year ago. It, actually, yeah, a year ago. It's been one year. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so in that year, I have ran three marathons, one of which I qualified for the Boston Marathon in my first marathon ever. My second marathon, I ran with a 20-pound vest. In my third marathon, I ran with a 40-pound vest. And I took measurements of my body composition before my training and then after all of my marathons. And based off of the measurements I did, I did not lose any size and maintained the same about amount of muscle mass with a little less body fat. Nice. Yeah, that's, I mean, most people would say that that's like physiologically probably not plausible, right? Right. Am I wrong? No, you're 100% right. Yeah. So um, generally speaking, we tend to think of, you know, uh, muscle hypertrophy or strength gains like on this end of the spectrum and then cardiovascular slash uh, metabolic endurance on the other end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And you're like training concurrently. I think that's the big uh, term for that, right? Concurrent training or, right. um, <clears throat> uh, and you were able to make uh, pretty good, pretty good results in terms of your endurance aspect and not lose any of the muscle gains that you had made. That's the key is that I was able to do it and not lose yeah. the muscle gains that I had already gained. But an important note is to note that I did not, increase my muscle mass or my strength gain. Um, so my lifts did not increase and my size did not increase. And I would attribute that honestly because of my caloric intake. And why I say that is because I went on a honeymoon during this time. I went on a vacation to Grenada and I wanted to stay somewhat shredded. <laughs> Um, so I did not eat in a caloric surplus throughout any of this because my goal oh, was to maintain that body fat. That's crazy. So um, you just mentioned something that I wanted to bring up. I wrote this down at the, when we started talking, actually. You said you wanted to stay shredded the whole time, right? 
<laughs> that was so the goal. I, I remember um, when we were at Westland, you, oh, no. you mentioned that you don't think that you would ever be able to have a pack <laughs> ever. I think you said that verbally like multiple times. Yeah. Um, right? You said that a bunch of times? A thousand you, times. Yeah, bro. you said like genetically you were not able to have a six pack. Yeah, I thought and it was like, impossible. Yeah, and, and what have you done since? Well, since then, I I think the lowest percentage of body fat I've gotten down to is probably around five, between five and seven percent. And I did have a visible pack and got rid go. of a lot of my fluff. There you go. So, so if you think it's impossible, I can promise you it is possible. It just takes a lot of hard work, perseverance, and prolonged dieting. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I mean, just to caveat that, like, you know, Tommy's always been relatively fit, but even when we were at Wesleyan, he kind of had, I guess you would describe it as like a nice pooch around his midsection. For sure. So, you know, even though he looked very fit and very muscular, you could tell when he took a shirt off, it's like, oh, like, you know, this guy's, you know, doesn't have a six pack or whatever. Yeah, this guy's chubby. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. But, and so Tommy just thought that it was genetically impossible for him to uh, have a six pack. Like he was destined to have this belly fat, like no matter what. Right. And we keep going back to dieting, but I want to touch on why that was during that time. And yeah. so at Wesleyan, say Monday through Friday. <laughs> well, we, there's a lot of things that happened at Wesleyan that led <laughs> to having a, a mid-belly. Yeah, definitely. Sure. So overeating for sure. But in, I think the big picture things, one of it would be that like Monday through Thursday, I would eat relatively clean. Um in the later years, but then Friday, <laughs> Sunday, I would eat literally everything inside. And so what I want to just a quick take home point I want to make really quick is if you were to eat one banana above your maintenance every day for a year, you would gain about 13 pounds. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's crazy to think about one mm-hmm. banana, <laughs> you know? Well, I want to make this clear also. Bananas actually have a lot more carbs in them than people think. Like an orange, I think, has less carbs. An apple has less carbs, I believe. Bananas, even though they seem relatively, I guess, bland might be a good word. Mm-hmm. Like they actually are pretty carb-rich. Right. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, take-home point of a little bit of my past is that if you don't feel like you can get abs, I promise you you can. <laughs> and we can help you get there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that you want to um, mention or say at all to, uh, cause I mean, I want to make this clear. Like this is all coming from somebody who has, who's, I mean, I think you're a relatively smart dude, right? Like compared to the majority of people out there, you've obviously gone to medical school and when you were in medical school, you did relatively well. And while you're in medical school and even before then, you have been diving into both anecdotal um, research as well as like empirical research on how you can try and modify your body, whether that's endurance-wise or muscular-wise. So all this information is coming from somebody who's uh, lived it, breathed it, all that stuff for multiple, multiple years and been in the medical profession for you know, obviously a handful of years now. So is there anything else you wanted to kind of add to the things that you've been saying so far? Yeah, I think a big 
something that's I think really important is that all the listeners and whoever's going to hear this is like, do not just take someone's word for it. You know, like there's like, I always had the attitude, Oh, you cannot run cause you'll lose all your gains. You know, yeah, like you, exactly. you need to put the treadmill on an incline, hold the rails and walk for about 60 minutes. And that's going to get you shredded and help you keep all your gains. And so like, Quit listening to like all the fasted, fasted cardio, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like fasted cardio, like quit listening to all the uh, like bro science out there and make sure that you do your research. And not only that you do your research about like, say like uh, Brad Schoenfeld, Schoenfeld, um, Lane Norton, all these people that's done a lot of this research, like read their research, but then also implement it in your life and like test it. You know, like, so when I, when I saw people like Chris Gettin and Ross Edgley doing these endurance sports and, you know, being able to maintain their muscle mass. And then when I saw some of the research that was published where people were able to do that, I was like, okay, I see the research is there, but I want to test it myself. I want to put my body through this and I want to do this and see if it's actually holds to the truth of what this research is showing. And so why not? You know, if that's something you're passionate about, absolutely go for it. And I did it and I had amazing not only did I have an amazing time doing and accomplishing my goals, but I was able to kind of prove that, yeah, it is possible. Don't get me wrong. It was a lot of hard work. And there was days where I trained over four hours in a single day between my running and my lifting, but it is possible and you could definitely do it. So whatever your goals are, do not put fitness into this box that, you know, people try to say that you can only do X, Y, and Z, like redefine fitness for you and read up on the latest research that's out there set your goals and crush them yeah so i think what you just said goes really well into um somebody maybe finding that you know and you you kind of can be able to describe maybe this a little bit more but finding a coach because i think like somebody like you or maybe even somebody like me is able to do that on their own very well where they can put themselves into their own like case study, do a few things, change some variables and then see what happens. Whereas there's a lot of people out there who either want instant gratification um, in terms of the results or they need somebody else to tell them, Hey, just tell me what to do. I'll do it. And then we'll see what happens because then I think that's, what's kind of um, becoming more and more popular now is, is, uh, you know, working together with like a coach style person where you guys are kind of developing a plan and between the two people, you are seeing the results and then modifying things on the fly. Now, obviously that's been going on for a long time now, but um, maybe that's kind of like our big takeaway is letting things play out for a little bit of time, being patient. And then from what you have found there, changing things up to make it more optimal for that person is that kind of would you be able to agree yeah i I would agree and i think even you know like every single person needs a coach or and they don't even have to be say necessarily a coach but someone to a support team a support team someone to bounce ideas off of like seth matt tank all of our good buddies that we talked about earlier like all of these guys have been extremely instrumental in this process over the last year for me you know like if i have any questions about my lifting regimen or things like that i go to seth or if i made a workout plan for someone i'm not sure if i kind of 
you know, constructing. <laughs> had too much volume. <laughs> I do like a lot of volume. And yeah. so a lot of plans I create have way too much volume. And Seth, on the other hand, helps me correct that. And so I would say always have someone, you know, there to either coach you or to at least support you and help guide you. It's so important. Yeah. So um, we've talked on a bunch of different points. And you've, you've laid out kind of some of the three main things that you really like. We've talked about some different principles that we like in terms of diet and exercise. Um, we'll probably have multiple chats in the future. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to mention uh, before we kind of sign off on this first uh, discussion? Yeah. Um, like you said, I mean, there's so many different things we could talk about. But the last thing that I just want to say to anybody that hears, hears this is that regardless of where you are currently at, like I don't care how far away you feel like you are from your goals or how far of all, um, how far away you are reaching the weight loss that you want to reach or the strength that you want to get to or how deep of a hole that you feel like you're in and you can't get out of. Like all of that that's been filling up your mind, I just want you to like take it take it and throw it out of your head immediately. Like forget it, wash it away and just know that you are capable of doing so much more than you could ever imagine and you may only just need a support a support system like Seth a support system like me that will tell you that every single day because yes I'm not going to tell you that's going to be easy because it will be hard but I can promise you it will be worth it so regardless of how far you are from your goals right now I want you to forget that and say to yourself I will accomplish my goals I will do what it takes and I am capable of doing it. Promise you could achieve every one of your dreams that you have set in your mind. Through Christ, right? <laughs> in Jesus' name. Yeah. If it's in his will. Let me if it's in his will. <laughs> <laughs> I have you out there. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so where can people follow you, find out more about you, things like that, Tommy? For sure. All right. So if you guys want to check out my YouTube channel, you could just type in Tommy Martin or type in Tommy Martin Medical Student, and you'll be able to find my YouTube channel there. Um, How do you spell that? I'm sorry? Spell it. T-O-M-M-Y-M-A-R-T-I-N. And so just so you guys know, before you get over to my YouTube channel, a lot of it is about medical school, but there is also fitness and stuff. I do vlog a lot about how to maintain balance in medical school. And when you get onto my channel, you'll see that it's called MedFit Faith, which just means that, you know, medicine, fitness, and faith, that's what my channel is about. And then if you want to check out my Instagram, it's drdr.tommymartin. Um, you can find me on Instagram there and also um, my wife's accounts there as well. So, and Seth, so I'm posting this video to my YouTube channel. So Seth, tell people where they can find uh, your information. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I've got a blog. It's just a WordPress uh, free blog. So I think it's Seth Myers and then the letters DC and then like wordpress.com, I think. Um, so if they wanted to read some of those, they can. Um, and then my Instagram, I just changed it to, uh, at barbell. And then I think it's an underscore Cairo. So C H I R O. Um, you can follow my stuff there and I've post, I don't post that often. I'm trying to get better at that, but, um, all sorts of lifting cool stuff. So, um, those are the main things. And then Facebook is just my name, Seth Myers, and it's M Y E R S. Um, there's tons of Seth Myers out there, kind of like the late night host, but, 
uh, hopefully you stumble upon, uh, across me. So anyway, th those are the, the places you can follow me. Awesome. And people that are watching this from my YouTube channel, if you guys have any topics that you would like Seth and I to talk about, make sure to comment below and Seth and I can do dedicated videos to whatever those topics are. Yeah, we could spend a lot of time talking about different specific things. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. This has been a really great first conversation. Not sure where this is going to go up. I think I'm going to do a podcast soon. Um, but those of you who have been listening, please like and share wherever this is found. And be sure to leave a really great review. All right. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much.